Good morning, everyone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are like your servant Samuel. We are children, and we live in a dark night. And so we need to hear from you. And all we can say to you now as we hear from your word is speak to us, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Well, one of the things uh, in, in the next few days, Mindy and I will, my wife will celebrate our seventh anniversary. I've been trying to do the math in my head all morning just to make sure I don't say the wrong number. Of... <laughs> one of the things that Mindy and I have succeeded at in marriage, I'm very proud to tell you this morning, is getting lost everywhere we go. The bales have turned getting lost into an art form. Don't ever get in a car with us. No, we leave our house. Mindy's got the iPhone, the directions, you know. I mean, even when the audio's on and it's turn left, turn right. 20 minutes later, we still find ourselves, we don't know where, somewhere in Orlando. It's like when we get there, did the Starbucks move? Did, did the building itself pick up and go to a different location? Or how about this? We think maybe this map, maybe they like updated the, the maps. The maps are wrong. Either the place moved or the maps are wrong, but we're lost somehow. Friends, I, I just, I hate to tell you this, but no, it's not the maps and the Starbucks didn't move. It's that Josh and Mindy got it wrong, right? It's a user error. That's what you call it, user error. The problem lies with us. Today in our Romans passage, if you've been with us this summer, we've been taking this opportunity as the lectionary has us in Paul's epistle to the church at Rome to stay in Romans and sort of follow Paul's very dense but very rich train of thought. This is a theological masterpiece and it's so basic in terms of what it teaches us about what it means to be a Christian. So we've been in Romans most of the summer. And here's the thing. Today's passage, uh, chapter 10, puts us right in the middle of a, of a key section in Romans. The section starts in chapter 9 and it goes to chapter 11. And in this section, Paul is very distraught. Why is he distraught? Because it seems like God's plan, the plan that he's talked about every chapter of Romans, it seems like God's plan has gone wrong. Why does it seem like God's plan has gone wrong to Paul? Because Israel, the star nation in the whole first part of the Bible, right, the Old Testament, the whole story is about Israel and God, First Testament. They don't believe in Jesus. Paul's like, what in the world? And the implications that Israel doesn't believe in the Messiah are really nasty. For example, one implication is, well, maybe the map's wrong. Maybe the Old Testament law that Yahweh gave to Israel, maybe it led them astray. So the law is bad. Paul says, no, it's not the map. Then the other implication that Israel doesn't believe the Messiah is that 
even worse, God himself is at fault. Maybe God is not just. That's Romans 9. You'll, you'll remember that part of Romans 9 um, gets brought up in debates about the justice of God and is God fair for whom he brings to salvation and all this, that, and the other. Paul says, nope, it's not, the destination hasn't moved. It's not God. The problem actually lies with Israel. And it's not even because Israel wasn't trying. They were trying really hard. So today in Romans 10, in the midst of Romans 9 through 11, Paul wants to say to us this, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Don't get lost. Don't get lost. Church of Rome and Church of Cathedral, Church of St. Luke, don't get lost. Don't miss Jesus. And he says there are two ways that we are at risk of missing Jesus, just like Israel did. The first is very practical. The first is this. We are at risk of missing Jesus in the reading of the Scriptures, believe it or not, particularly in the reading of the Old Testament. We are at risk of missing Jesus. We'll talk about that in a second. Here's the second thing he says. We're at risk of missing Jesus, and maybe this is even harder for you to believe, in doing a bunch of Jesus-type things. We're at risk of missing Jesus in trying to obey God. So it, back, back in terms of the Old Testament language, Israel missed Jesus in the law, and then they missed him in obeying the law. That should have led them to the Messiah. We'll talk about it. First, we're at risk of missing Jesus in the Scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament reading. I'm thinking very practically today about this because in our tradition, we have an Old Testament reading in every Eucharist service, and sometimes they're long and boring, and, and I want you to hang in there. The Old Testament really matters. The law is not bad. The Old Testament is not bad, and the New Testament good. That's not how it works. The Old Testament should lead us to Jesus. So, recently, our uh, 19-month-year-old daughter, January, January, I'm trying to do the math on that one too. Math is not my thing, obviously, um, but our around a year-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Daphne, who's cute as a button, she has begun to do this thing uh, for new parents, which we find hilarious and unexpected. And someone mentioned to me after the first service that, well, yeah, that's every, every parent experiences that, and, and it's beautiful and, and awesome. But so we'll be holding Daphne, I'll be holding Daphne, Mindy will be holding Daphne, and we'll be, um, you know, doing something else, kind of distracted, putting the dishes away or p picking up her toys while we've got her in our arms. And she'll be just chit-chatting, jibber-jabbering, you know, whatever. She's speaking in tongues, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and so while we're doing it, Daphne, suddenly we feel these, we feel these two little hands on her face, on her cheeks. And she moves our face right dead straight in her eyes. Like, no, 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 Daddy, right here. She's been doing it to Mindy, too. And, and sometimes she'll just take one, and, it's, and it's, she'll do it twice. Like if you're, you're trying to speak to another adult, you know, she'll say, no, seriously. Paul is taking his hands and putting them on the face of the church at Rome. And he's saying, listen, Roman Christians made up of Jews and Gentiles, see the Old Testament right here? Jesus, Jesus. Read the Old Testament? Jesus. 
You don't find Jesus in every page of the Old Testament. Of course, the Old Testament is not waiting for Jesus. But here's the thing. You can't understand the Old Testament without seeing Jesus, without knowing the story of Jesus. St. Augustine famously said it this way. The New Testament is the Old Testament concealed, hidden. And he said the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. Did you get that piece of Christian history, which is just gold? The, old, the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. That's how the, a story works together. Paul says it's one story. This is what he means in our Romans text when he says, quote, the word is near you, it's on your lips and in your heart. You see, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament. He, he quotes from the Old Testament all through chapter 10. I mean, like four or five different Old Testament authors, Joel, Moses, I'm trying to think of the others. He quotes the Old Testament all through chapter 10. And here's one of the examples. Now, when Israel reads this phrase from Deuteronomy 30, they're reading the word that is the Torah, God's law, the Old Testament. The word is near you. It's on your lips and in your heart. Remember, Jews want to have God's Old Testament law everywhere, all around their household. It's to be their guiding light. Yes, because it's going to guide them to the Messiah. But they missed it. Don't miss Jesus in the Old Testament. We have a little children's book. I've quoted from it before here. Uh, it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible, written by Sally Lloyd-Jones, a wonderful resource. It's just like really intense theology packed into kid terms. And, um, and here's the tagline of Sally Lloyd-Jones' book, the Jesus Storybook Bible, every story whispers his name. Every story whispers his name. So let's take an example, David and Goliath. We learned it when we were kids, maybe. Some of us in Baptist land, we had felt boards with Velcro David and a Velcro Goliath. And we were, at times, it, it could be taught this way. Well, this story is about you defeating the giants in your life, right? That's what God wants to do. I mean, kind of, but not really. The story of David and Goliath, Sally Lloyd-Jones, as she tells it, and as great theological masterpieces have told it for centuries, is that there will come another David in God's story. In fact, he will be called the son of who? The son of David. And the son of David will fight a different enemy, a different giant, the giant of sin and death. And he will, in David's line, come out on top for the sake of the salvation of the whole world. Every story whispers his name. Every story whispers his name. I'm thinking particularly this morning of those of us who are new to Christianity who, um, or are, are, are exploring Christianity. And when we get to the part of any Christian service, when we get to the Old Testament and we're reading about these battles and like these primal, lots of violence and God's smiting people and there's rated R stuff that you wouldn't really want to read in a Sunday school class. It's, it's, it's there in the Old Testament. And then you get to Leviticus and you just fall asleep and it's like, what is, what is God doing here, right? Says the priest.
If this is you, I want you to hear me say clearly, hang in there. Yes, the Old Testament is difficult to understand, but it is this gold mine for teaching us more about the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's all there. The Old Testament whispers the name of Jesus in every story. May God grant us each, each, the privilege of hearing and understanding the scriptures of the Old Testament in such a way that we come to a greater love for the one about whom the story is written, Jesus the Messiah. That's the first way we miss Jesus. Here's the second tendency we have in missing Jesus. It's in our obedience to the Bible. It's in trying to live the Christian life. So that doesn't even make sense. Hang with me. Paul says in Romans 10, don't say in your heart, you can find in the middle of the passage, don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, parenthetically, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, parenthetically, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Paul says. This is a difficult phrasing. Remember all the way back in Romans 5, we talked about earlier this summer how Paul was telling God's big story. He's talking about God's way of life, God's salvation program for all of humanity. And he said, here was one of our points, in Romans 5, God's way of life, God does the work. It's not on our shoulders to save the world. It doesn't depend on your obedience or disobedience. It depends on Jesus' obedience to the Father on our behalf. That's what we talked about Romans 5. So Paul returns to this idea here in Romans 10, and he says this, Christianity is not obeying your way to heaven. It's not good working your way to heaven. Christianity is a life of faith. You can't have a more explicit definition of, of our faith than in Romans 10. He says this, Christianity is a life of faith that says over and over and over again, Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Did you catch that phrase in the passage? Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. If you get nothing else from today or nothing else from church every Sunday, I hope you get this. Jesus is Lord and God raised him bodily from the dead. Yes, it's insane and we believe it. You see, this is where Israel went astray. God's law and their obedience to it, they began to believe that their efforts, their work, their precision in following the Jewish law would save them, would, would, um, that, that they, they would, by following the law good enough, to use poor grammar, they would actually save the world. We're Jews. God gave us his law. We're going to do it, and if we do it well then God will rescue everybody. No, 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 no. It's not on your shoulders. It's never been on any human shoulders. The Old Testament is not the story of obeying your way to heaven, and then the New Testament is the story of God's grace. It's always been about God's grace, God's promise, God's work, and God's way of life. So it wasn't God's law that led them astray. It was their focus, their idolization of their own obedience to God's law. Okay, let's apply this then for us. Isn't it strange, at least it seems strange to me, isn't it strange that 
how we can pray and serve and read books about God and not really love Jesus at the same time. Priests are basically professionals at this. In my attempts to to obey God, to live the Christian life, to honor Him, to serve you, somehow I forget Jesus Christ. And I start thinking that my salvation and your salvation depends on me and how good I'm doing. For example, in prayer, I try to pray. And then I start concentrating on how long I'm praying or what I'm praying for, or if God is really liking this particular prayer that Josh is praying, in my service, in some virtuous act that I'm trying to do, in the back of my mind, on my poor days when I doubt the gospel, I begin to think, you know, if I do this, God will really like me more. That's not the gospel of Christianity. I miss Jesus when I'm reading some book about God and I forget that Knowledge is not the same thing as love. To know God is not exactly the same thing as loving God. These are things I'm, I'm guilty of. You know what Paul would say to use the words right from our passage? He would say, Josh, stop trying to go up to heaven and bring the Messiah down. Stop trying to go down to the abyss and raise him from the dead. Paul would say, God, Josh, has already done that for you. God sent his son down. God raised his son from the dead, and your salvation was accomplished. So, with your lips and in your heart, Josh, say this. Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead. That is the Christian gospel. Whatever obedience that comes out of that, whatever prayer that comes out of that, whatever virtuous act comes out of that, wonderful And most likely, God will be doing that in you until the day that you die. But that's not what gets you into paradise with the Lord of heaven and earth. It's Jesus who does that. Jesus is Lord and Christ, and God raised him from the dead. So let me add this closing point. I think about us at the cathedral today. I think about us each week, really, when we talk about God's Word and when we celebrate the sacraments, and I think about it in a context of a world where so many different agendas have begun to eclipse what Christianity is and what it isn't. I think about some of our brothers and sisters who have made seemingly innocent things the agenda of... This, this is, let me tell you what Christianity is. It's, it's, uh, it's shopping at this particular place. I can think of a few places who have become known as like the Christian restaurants or something. You know what I mean? That's not it. On the other side, some of our uh, brothers and sisters have actually joined the Christian message to something overtly evil. I'm thinking of what's happening in Charlottesville right now. That's not a Christian movement, but you better believe there are some people in, in carrying torches who are somehow deceived into thinking that it's a Christian thing to do. No, that's evil. That's not Christianity. So let us remember today from Romans 10, this is the gospel. This is what Christianity is, Paul says. Jesus is Lord, and God raised him from the dead. Amen? Amen.